Welcome to another episode of React Roundup, everybody. I am your host today, Paige Niedringhouse, and we are joined by one of our regular panelists, Jack Harrington. Hello there. And our special guest today is Vijit Isle. Welcome, Vijit. Hi, everyone. Hey, folks, this is Charles Maxwood from Top End Devs. And lately, I've been working on actually building out Top End Devs. If you're interested, you can go to topendevs.com slash podcast, and you can actually hear a little bit more about my story, about why I'm doing what I'm doing with Top End Devs, why I changed it from uh, devchat.tv to Top End Devs. But what I really want to get into is that I have decided that I'm going to build the platform that I always wished I had with devchat.tv and I renamed it to Top End Devs because I want to give you the resources that are going to help you to build the career that you want, right? So whether you want to be an influencer in tech, whether you want to go and just max out your salary and then go live a lifestyle with your family, your friends, or just traveling the world or whatever, I, I want to give you the resources that are going to help you do that. We're going to have career and leadership resources in there, and we're going to be giving you content on a regular basis to help you level up and max out your career. So go check it out at topendevs.com. If you sign up before my birthday, that's December 14th. If you sign up before my birthday, you can get 50% off the lifetime of your subscription. Once again, that's topendevs.com. So Vijit, I know that you've been on React Roundup in the past, but for those of you who have not heard, maybe you could give us a quick intro of who you are, why you're famous, and what we'll be talking about today. Well, my name is Vijit Ayal, and I'm a software engineer from Mumbai, and I work primarily on React and Node.js. And apart from that, I do a bit of technical writing on the internet. I hear you have a strong interest in Superbase. Works with React, I'm guessing. Can you tell us a little bit about that? So Superbase is a cloud platform that allows developers to create backend services for their front-end apps without writing a single line of backend code. So that's how powerful it is. And, no, very it is cool. and no, yeah, okay. it is completely open source and it provides features like auth, database, file storage, and auto-generated APIs just out of the box. So you don't have to do anything of that on your way. Nice. And is there like a client layer for React that's already built? Yeah, yeah. So Superbase basically has many client uh, libraries for even for their one for JavaScript, Python, and yeah. That's excellent. So how would you get started with Superbase if you had like either a Create React app or maybe like a Next.js project? How do you integrate the two together? So basically, uh, Superbase, uh, Superbase has a JavaScript client called Superbase.js and you can just do npm install and uh, initialize the main uh, class and pass your uh, public key and uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. And after that, if you want to get data, if you want to post data, that's all you can do through the uh, library. Oh, very cool. So what's, is it like a, a wrapper around an existing database or is it its own kind of database? Like what kind of database is it? Like a SQL database, object store? Yeah, so Superbase leverages Postgres, which is a relational database. Yeah, and what it does is uh, Postgres uh, automatically generates the REST APIs using, a, using an extension called uh, Post, Postgres with a P. And so what it does is it introspects your uh, whole schema, like whatever schemas you have made in your Superbase dashboard, it will go through all of them and auto-generate an API for that, that you can, uh, which you can communicate through your front end, basically. And you don't have to write the APIs by yourself manually while calling. You can simply just use the uh, client library. Very nice. And it's all and, TypeScript uh, and, hot and, and strongly typed and all that? Oh, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> 
I feel like we have some delay. Yeah. Superbase does not have a TypeScript layer out of the box. It is just plain JavaScript library. Okay. So you need to like generate some types for yeah. it to map yeah. to the types that you have in your in your tables. Right, right. Do you, have a, do you use a tool for that or just, just hand do that? Or do you use TypeScript oh, at all? I, I, use, I do use TypeScript, but uh, it's mo- mostly just you have to build the types yourself. Whatever your API you're calling, you're going to have to check what's the uh, response and then build the type. Interesting. So does it offer a GraphQL support as well? No, I don't think that it supports gra- GraphQL at this moment. I think it's it's still experimental, but like they are building it, thus we're working on it. Cool. Well, that's cool. So yeah. like I'm also I, there's a strong interest out there in auth as well. So is it auth specific to your database? Is it, it does it work with other vendors? Like how you know, can it do like Google auth and all of that? Yeah. So uh, basically, if you want, if you only want to use the auth layer of Superbase, even that you can do. You don't have to. Even if you don't want to use the database layer or uh, the other functionalities, you can simply just use the auth functionalities right out of the box and pass your Google API keys. And yeah, it just works. Wow, nice. Yeah. So the whole process of, the whole process of bootstrapping your application is just fast. <laughs> nice. So um, how did you get started with Supabase? Like what initially drew you to it? Or was it like a work project or just something that you're interested in learning? So... The thing is, I found Superbase through just like, I actually wanted a cloud database where I can store because I'm too lazy to set up everything on my <laughs> local machine. <laughs> so I was like, let me just search for uh, anything that has cloud support for databases. So yeah, that's where I found Superbase and which basically uh, has a free tire of 500 MB or something. So that is pretty much enough for any application. Nice. Are you using it at work or are you just, just no, uh, on your own? Right now, we don't use it at work. It's basically for uh, my own explorations. Yeah, 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 sure. I'm just curious, what are you using it for? Like, what, what, what are the uh, experimental apps? Any kind of app that uh, does not require any, like, backend applications or things like, for example, you can make blog applications and you yeah. don't even have, have to write a single line of backend code for that because it has auth, it has the APIs, and, yeah, it has the database, everything. So, so you can think of Supervis as a CMS, a sort of CMS because you don't have to know database language, uh, database knowledge. You don't have to be like a database savvy or something to get started with the APIs. Because like for a non-technical person, the database is just like a spreadsheet. Like you can just update the data in line in the dashboard. Nice. Nice. So one of the um, blog articles that we've linked that we'll link to in the show notes about Supabase talks a little bit about something called Supabase Studio. Could you tell us a little bit more about what that is? So that is the dashboard that is your that on the Superbase platform, which you can you know, browse through and uh, check your table coll- uh, collections, create new schemas, right? And uh, you don't have to write any SQL queries for that. You just you can use the graph, the interface for that. And basically, what it will allow you to do is create uh, tab- tables and add new entries to your uh, database. Yeah, that. And even it can, uh, it allows you to access your users' data, right? You can send, invite other users to your platform directly from your data uh, dashboard. Awesome. So this kind of stuff, I, I've always found that like, the kind of gotcha with these, the the no writing your own API stuff is around like triggers. Like if I add a particular record to a database, I want things to happen based on that kind of thing. Like, you know, some summation stuff or whatever, some other tables get updated. Is that, yeah. can you do that sort of stuff? Yeah, yeah you can do that. With, well, basically, uh, Superbase is 
a PostgreSQL database behind the scene. So mm. whatever you can do with the PostgreSQL database, that you can do with Superbase. That's the thing. So basically, you, you can create triggers, right? You can, for example, if if you tell, if you add a new entry in the users users table, then a you know some like some other table can get can be updated. For example, if mm. he has if the user has updated his verified his email, so that you can set a flag for that. Cool. And do I use that? Like, do I write that in SQL, or what do I write that in? Basically, you can write a database function for that, and so it's it's a func- database function which is like which resides natively in the database. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I yeah. on write like wow. Okay, I haven't done that in a long time. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so basically, you, you don't have to write a application middle layer for that to update your query. Yeah, I can see why this is so popular. So one question that I have is I've used Firebase a little bit, which I think is Google's version. What like what benefits or why would you choose Supabase over Firebase or one of the other options that are out there for kind of cloud backends and cloud databases and such? So uh, primarily Firebase is not open source. That's the main thing. And apart from that, no, most of the stuff Superbase has is open source. You can self-host it yourself. That functionality won't get with Firebase. You and even the what you say the setup of the whole project is a bit no easier with Superbase. Okay, good enough for me. Nice. So outside of like auth and database stuff, what else is in Superbase? Uh, Superbase mentioned it early on. Yeah. So Superbase also has file storage. So under Mm, the hood, Superbase. Thanks. Superbase uses S3 to upload the data, right? And yeah, and other than that, we have like like Firebase, we have they have real time subscription, right? Whenever Ooh. data update, yeah. That's so nice. that means, yeah. yeah. There's one there's one thing that Firebase does better than Superbase is offline caching. Firebase has that functionality that it does optimistic update on your UI, but Postgres doesn't. Superbase does not have that out of the box. Hmm. I mean, I could definitely see how that would be useful for certain applications, but I bet that there's probably the majority of them where that's not necessarily a deal breaker, in which case Supabase, which is open source is a big thing. So that's pretty awesome that it's completely open source. So how do they make money? <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> Making money is overrated. People buy them a coffee. Patreon. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you can. Yes, definitely fund a big company off of that. <laughs> I guess if maybe if you're not doing the self-hosted route of Superbase, there's probably some nice things that you can tack on and pay for if you're a like a big customer or an enterprise level customer. Right. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. Cool. Actually, uh, I'm I'm curious about the file storage stuff. So. For you know, like, if you upload images and stuff, does it also have that cool thing where you can like redimension them or have multiple image sizes or have it do all the compression work for you? No, I don't think that functionality is there with Superbase. Right, all the optimization you have to do at your side. Oh, okay. Yeah, but uh, the Superbase has a cool dashboard for browsing through your files, like like how you would browse through your files on a Mac device. Nice. Cool. Hi, this is Charles Maxwood from Top End Devs, and lately I've been coaching some people on starting some podcasts and in some cases just taking their career to the next level you know whether you're beginner going to intermediate intermediate going to advanced whether you're trying to get noticed in the community or go freelance i've been helping these folks figure out how to get in front of people how to build relationships and how to build their careers and max out and and just go to the next level so if you're interested in talking to me and having me help you go to the next level 
Go to topendevs.com slash coaching. I will give you a one hour free session where we can figure out what you're trying to do, where you're trying to go and figure out what the next steps are. And then from there, we can figure out how to get you to the place you want to go. So once again, that's topendevs.com slash coaching. You're mainly using this on web then? Or are you using it for like native, React Native as well? Or No, currently I'm just exploring it on the web because on the mobile application, it's still not uh, fully supported. Like some functionalities, like like I said, mentioned, offline storage is not out of the box. So like for using it on the mobile web, a mobile application, it's still, it still has a long way to go, I feel. Coming soon. so one of the questions or one of the things that it looks like Superbase has is uh edge computing or edge functions is that correct right right right. so So edge functions are basically give us an example of what edge functions are (laughs) so edge functions are basically uh typescript functions that run on the dino environment and they are that executed closer to the to your user right Unlike other serverless functions like Lambda, uh, AWS Lambda, it does not execute on a particular location. Like it will get executed at a server nearer to the you know the user using the, your application. I'm guessing that's not an open source thing. That's probably where they're making their money. <laughs> you know that kind of support for that. Yeah, that scale. So what do you, what would you imagine using that for? So like you can use it for sending your email, right? You can create a separate email service. To you so for example, if you want, uh, if you have a blog application and you have a subscribe subscriber list, right? So that for that you don't you won't have to create an, a whole different server server and then write the code. You can simply just uh, create a new function and uh, yeah, just like any other API, you get the request body and from that you can simply you know uh, save it in your either you can save it in your database or you can add in your Mailchimp list or yeah. That's really cool. Yeah. So will Superbase also help me host my application? No, no. Superbase currently does not have that. I don't like. I don't have that support for serving HTML, right? If you try to serve HTML, it will automatically get changed to a, a plain text. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay, makes sense. Fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> so if I want to put this up, basically, I would have one. I'd have my deployed app, and then it would connect using the key then to right. the Superbase instance. Superbase. Right. Right. And we're not worried about that key leaking? <laughs> so the thing with the key is that Superbase offers two keys. One is the public key and the other one is the service key. So the service role key is, is like a master key to your application, right? So you would want to use that key in a server context. But the public key can be exposed to the client side. But the thing with public key is that the public key can, have, by default, has access to all your database, right? So to prevent that, you have to write RLS rules in the database. So these are like authentication rules that you would write natively in the database. So for example, you can prevent, you can avoid a, an update on a particular table, right? Based on the authorization key, or let's say you can also prevent a user from updating another user's table, uh, data. So for each one of those, we have certain rules in RLS. Interesting. Makes sense. Yeah. So how... For somebody who is brand new to Superbase and wanted to get started with it, what would you? How would you advise that they start to get familiar with it? Just like uh, just with creating your own application, just exploring the documents because the documentation of Superbase is very straightforward. Right? They have uh, like everything you need to get started on the Superbase platform. Right? Nice. Have you done this? You've been working. I mean, we talked about it earlier with, with Paige. You know, 
create React app versus Next.js. Have you tried it with Next.js? Is it or as well? Yeah, next even with Next.js, it was the same way. But, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, it seems like in terms of your APIs, you might want to actually like proxy them through Next.js to hide that server key. Yeah, because uh, like if you use the uh, server server key in the uh, in the server context, then in the Next.js it would be not uh, it would be hidden, right? Right, exactly. Yeah, mm-hmm. except that you got to run a, run a server, which is not often great. You know, there's that. <laughs> well, cool. Is there anything else that you think that people should know about Superbase that we haven't covered yet? Because it sounds pretty powerful overall. A uh, fun fact about Superbase is that recently they have announced Wasm support. That means Ooh. you can run a full fledged Postgres database inside a browser. So that's a whole new thing. Is that out? Can we look at it today? Yeah, I think it is out like a uh, like couple of weeks back only it was released. So I guess it's still experimental, I feel. Yeah, that's a pretty powerful feature to have. So I think with yeah, this, we I'm can even solve that uh, offline offline storage stuff. Right? Mm. Yeah, very cool. Okay, so I'm kind of... why? Okay, so I just quick looked at that. Like, I'm going to run Postgres in the browser. I'm assuming when am I... So is that just for give me a, give me a scenario like why, why am I going to do that? So for example, we do ha- like in the browser currently we have lo- local storage and we have another uh, I don't remember the name we have a kind of storage in the browser right? session uh, storage se- session and another one we have like a SQL mm, yeah 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 in, there's a SQLite database in it yeah right mm-hmm. right so so in that context if you if you want to use something more powerful like Postgres because it has a, re- a lot of relational capabilities. And it, it can force uh, constraints on your data. So that is one uh, one thing powerful. Like if your app has a lot of, you know, critical data that you can manage in the browser. Oh, cool. All right. That sort of makes some sense. Like if I want to do like a Gmail thing, I could literally have like your email inbox in Postgres in Wasm. Wasm, right. Yeah, cool. Wasm is the future. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure. I hope not. I don't know about that one. <laughs> I, I love the things like like stack blitz out there where, you know, you can run an entire Next.js instance like right in the browser. Yes. And I've actually found in some cases it's actually faster to do that because it's it's, it's running basically out of a RAM disk and it's it's quick. So it's cool. You know, you could basically mm-hmm. run all you could run your entire stack in Wasm. Yeah. Speaking of stack blitz, did you see the the keynote that they did recently at ViewConf for CodeFlow? No. <laughs> so I just learned about it this week, and I think it was maybe a week or two back they announced it. But CodeFlow is this new initiative by StackBlitz to basically bring VS Code into your browser. So you get the entire... VS Code setup with your plugins, your preferred tooling, your everything. And with it, you can take a GitHub repo, plug it into the URL, and it will basically import the repo as if you'd cloned it. You can pull down branches, you can open pull requests, you can look at other people's pull requests, and you never actually have to pull the code locally into VS Code so that you can, you know, play with it, change it, review it, add to it whatever it's really really cool that's really cool yeah yeah i mean i think there's there's something similar on the github side like you can like hit period on a project and like open up there like open up an embedded editor i think so it seems similar but the thing that was nice because i i've 
not really use the, the GitHub version of it is that it looks, the code flow thing looks exactly like your VS code editor that you would use locally on your machine, like to a T. But the thing right, is, it's basic. all done in the browser. So you don't actually have to pull, check the code out locally, start it up, clone the repo, whatever. It's just all available to you. That's pretty sweet. Nice. Yeah. And I know I've just totally derailed the conversation, but I just read about this. No, no, it's cool. This is the coolest thing. (laughs) (laughs) There's so much cool stuff going on. And I I mean, I I get people always talk about how the future of all of this is like, we will we'll no longer have our MacBooks or our ThinkPads or whatever. I got into MacBooks is what I've been using forever. And we'll just have, you know, some commodity hardware or whatever. And it's because everything you're going to be doing is just on the web anyway. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how I feel about that. Like, I kind of like having a, you know, how would that feel if I'm on a plane or something like that? I don't know. Probably not great. But maybe. Yeah. I, mean, I guess it's good. It's not, it's not quite there yet. Like, the project that I just plugged into CodeFlow to see how it would work actually had its own backend server that was built in. It had a node server that it was using. So it wasn't quite smart enough to figure out that it needed to install all the dependencies for these different folders that were kind of nested within one another. And then I hit some cores issues almost immediately because even though it's supposed to be localhost 3000, it's like webflow.localhost slash something 3000. Right. Yeah. So not quite perfect. I'm not, I couldn't figure out how to get around the cores errors um, before I had to actually go on and do work. But, but <laughs> you know, once they kind of figure that out or there's some, there's probably documentation that I just didn't look for of how to figure, how to get around those sorts of things. I think it could be really huge. And, and, like the things that I really see it being beneficial for are PR reviews, because trying to pull down somebody's local code while you're doing something else in the same repo is a pain. And also for our designers and our de- designers who don't necessarily need to or shouldn't have to run code locally to see what something looks like, if they can just go to GitHub and then open up code flow and be able to see what the actual site looks like. I mean, that seems like such a huge win for everybody. Yeah, I mean, I think you should aspire to where your project is set up so that it could be usable this way, right? In yeah. your case, you know, you should, if that's a thing, I think it, it, it shows a certain amount of code quality and like, oh, okay, or project setup quality. That's like, it can run anywhere. It can run on your local machine. It can run inside oh. of, you know, Safari, whatever. It's all good. <laughs> Exactly. I don't know. What, Vijay, what do you think about like uh, this this remote coding idea? Is that so yeah, appealing? I think it's good because like like Paige said, like you don't have to set up everything on your local machine, so that saves a lot of time. Definitely. <laughs> so Vijay, what we I don't actually think we talked about what you do for a regular day job. Like what 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 do you do when you're not like working on or, or playing around with Superbase? So I am like I'm a software engineer from from Mumbai, and I work at a health tech company called Tutsi, which uh, provides a liner solution in India, in across India. So nice. Yeah. So we have like a complete JavaScript stack. Uh, we have React on the front end and Nest.js on the back end. So and then you write articles about this kind of stuff that you get excited about. Right. right. So whatever I come across, like while exploring or at work, whatever new thing I learn, and I just post it on the internet because that's the best way to share your knowledge. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, totally agree. I recently saw your video on uh, making the con- context fast. Mm-hmm. That's that's a new thing I learned. The way oh, you cool. did the 
whole subscribe thing and get our answers. Yeah. Oh, thanks, man. Yeah, that was a fun one to, to do. Jack, <laughs> thanks for, for plugging my channel. Have not seen it. Yeah, would you like to give us a little more information about it? <laughs> oh, sure. Yeah. So there's I every time I talk about state managers and things like Jotai or Sushtan or whatever, people are like, oh, what about contacts? Do we even need one of those anymore? We have contacts. I'm like, oh, okay. Contacts <laughs> is great for slow moving things like a theme or a, you know, the user identification. So that like, if you change it, it's okay if a lot of components re-render because you expect that, right? It's, it's a theme, whatever. Or it's user ID. They're logging in, they're logging out, right? You expect a big change, right? But there's also, there's a new hook that came out with 18, use sync external store that makes actually using React, or using context in a, in a pub sub model where I kind of subscribe to the context so that I don't necessarily get updated when it changes. I only get updated when things that I care about within the context change. It's actually pretty easy. And so the video went over kind of how to do that and then kind of went a little bit extra into like TypeScript stuff and like how to make it generic. And uh, and of course, a lot of the comments I get are like, yeah, but Joe Tai and Sustan do all this. And I'm like, yes, but you just ask for the, the context. Yeah, okay, yes, anyway. <laughs> So, you know, can't make everybody happy all the time, but it was a fun, it was a fun uh, experiment. It was, it was, it was cool. <laughs> did you enjoy it, Vajit? Yeah, it, yeah, it I like did. You got some out of it. Good. Okay, awesome. Nice. So, Vajit, maybe you could tell us a little bit more about Toothsee, because it sounds, you said it was a health tech company, but like, what exactly, health tech is a very large industry. So, what exactly are they helping people to do? <laughs> So currently there are like two parallels going on. So currently with Tootsie, there are like two parallels. One is like, uh, we have a parent brand called Mako under which two brands come in. Uh, one is Tootsie and another one is Kinsey. So Tootsie provides all the dent- dental aspects of your, of a person. And the Kinsey aspect is for the skin treatments like, uh, derma facials and uh, laser treatment. But, hmm. And so I prim- primarily work with Tootsie and yeah, so basically we do the whole, uh, dental thing. Uh, we have, we create plans for the users from that, whatever suits they use it. That's really cool. Yeah. Nice. Very cool. And you use, you use React and Node, you use Next or what do you, what do you, what's your stack? Right. right. So for the whole stack, uh, on the front end, we have, uh, Next.js, right? And on the back end, we use, uh, Nest, which mm-hmm. is like, Awesome. Yeah. Huge fan of Nest. I yeah. I haven't heard a lot of people talk about Nest, but it is, it's like Express, correct? Right. right. So it is built on top of Express, basically. Right. Got it. So the thing with Express is that it has a lot of, like, it allows you, gives you a lot of freedom, like how you want to structure your code. But Nest has a certain way of, uh, you know, organizing your code and dividing it into modules. Like something uh, you would do in a, uh, Spring a Spring Boot application or in Angular software. It feels a lot like Java. Right, right. It's got a lot of TypeScript, a lot of a lot of annotations. Got a very model view controller feel. Yeah, a lot of wiring, a lot of wiring. <laughs> but you know, once you get it going, it's very reliable. Yeah. Do that. Very cool. Is there anything else that we haven't covered that you've been working on or that you'd like to talk about today? I guess we have covered pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Have any new articles that are coming out that we should be excited about? Currently, yeah. The, uh, we were just talking about Next.js, and currently, I have uh, an article in progress on creating uh, microservices with Next.js and Kafka. So, mm. 
Ooh. So that will come out in a month. Very cool. Cool. Yeah, we'll be looking forward to that then. Hey, folks, if you love this podcast and would like to support the show, or if you wish you could listen without the sponsorship messages, then you're in luck. We're setting up new premium podcast feeds where you can get all of the episodes released after Christmas 2020 without the ads. Signing up will help us pay for editing and production, and you can go sign up at devchat.tv slash premium. All right. Well, I think that this is the portion of the show where we'll go into picks. And these could be television shows that you're watching. There's been a lot of kitchen products and tech products in the past (laughs) that we've talked about. So, Jack, would you like to start us off with a pick this week? Yeah. So my my tech pick for the week is going to be that you should read the RFC that came out on Use, which just, just got released. It's a big deal in the React community. But if you haven't seen it, I, I would definitely read it. I think it's it's one of those that's going to change how we do React as much as Hooks did. And the new RFC basically makes first-class citizens, I guess, out of promises in React. And so on the client side, you can literally just say, you know, import this use. It's a hook, kind of like a hook. It's, it's basically a hook. And then you just point it at a promise. And when the promise resolves, your component gets re-rendered with the new data. You're good to go. So it makes it very, very clean. And then on the server side, it's really cool. You can do like async components and just literally like fetch your data like right inside the component, which is really neat using async await. It's awesome. You can actually try it out today on the client side. I don't think there's any server implementation of it yet, though. So can't wait to try it there. But really cool. And if you're a React developer, I think you got to keep up on it. (laughs) Good one. So I will go next. My pick for this week, we've actually just talked about in the show, it's going to be Codeflow. <laughs> so yeah. if you, like like I was saying, it's just, it's like VS Code, but in a browser. And I it's in beta right now. So I think anybody can sign up, go check it out, play with it, see the video of, of how uh, the creator uses it. So head on over to Stack Blitz and look for Codeflow and just test it out because they... They want all the feedback. They want you to tell them what's good, what's not, what's buggy. But it just seems like such a cool step forward. And I can see so many applications where it would make developers' lives easier. Um, So I'm definitely going to be checking it out myself. (laughs) And Vajit, do you have anything that you'd like to recommend to our listeners? So we both have done a tech uh, pick. So I I will do a non-tech pick, which would be the House of Dragon shows. On oh yeah, <laughs> HBO. You should definitely check it out. There's a lot of politics going on, and yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's our Sunday night family watch. Even though it's not exactly a family show, but when you have kids that are a little older, it's more like a family. But you know, the neighbors show up, and we we kind of you know it's a gather around. I love it. It, it. We used to do that with, with uh, Game of Thrones, and now it's great to have it back with House of Dragons. <laughs> and it's not quite that, like I say, like Lord of the Rings just doesn't have that. Stop and like this doesn't feel as the new Lord of the Rings show doesn't feel as is I don't know as it's not as gripping that much yeah something like that thanks for reminding <laughs> us though that is a great show yeah it's good a suggestion bummer that it's almost done with the season right yeah finality man <laughs> wish there were more <laughs> awesome well great picks so one last question for you Vajit if people want to get in touch with you where can they find you they can easily find me on Google. Because <laughs> if you type in just my, my name, you'd find everything about me. And even on <laughs> LinkedIn, because <laughs> my name is quite unique. And I'm just an easy person to find. Excellent. Awesome. <laughs> well, thank you again for joining us. And we will see everybody on the next React Roundup. See you then. 
Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com to learn more.